You're listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Krochak. Well, hello everyone. Hope all is well with you. Hope you've had an amazing week. And welcome to yet another episode of the Prairie Town Basement Sessions. Well, I'm not sure what's happening in your neck of the woods, but it's downright soggy here in southern Manitoba. We've had so much rain, and my heart does go out to all the folks experiencing hardship as a result of all this wet weather. This can be a very stressful time for people here in the Red River Valley, so I'm sending positive thoughts and vibes your way as you're experiencing your challenges. Okay, so on a more positive note, I want to share with you before I forget that I really do appreciate all the kind messages you have sent my way since starting the podcast. It really does fuel me to keep this crusade of sorts going and find guests that I think you would love to learn more about. This week's guest is no exception and a bit of a detour of sorts from our usual interviews with singer-songwriters. However, I can assure you she has a very interesting story to tell. Mary Ray Knapp, a.k.a. the godmother of Canadian country music, is a music promoter and enthusiast from Ontario, Canada. More about Mary Ray in our opening act. Most of us, if we are lucky, become fans of music. We all have our favorite singer, a favorite band, a song that we just can't get out of our heads. We remember our first concert, who we were with, and when those songs played on the radio, we got taken back to those beautiful memories. For some people, a love of music and being a fan is just not enough. They need more. They know they can offer even more. Mary Ray Knapp is one of those people. Mary Ray Knapp, also known as the godmother of Canadian country music, has dedicated her life to passing the message of music along, and people are listening. When you see who Mary Ray has worked closely with, it is a star-studded list of who's who in the Canadian country music business. From Johnny Reed to Brett Kissel, Mary Ray has been that trusted voice that they have listened to and has played a huge part in their success. With a strong social media presence and a website to interview and promote Canadian country music artists, Mary Ray has become a fixture in the Canadian country music landscape. We don't even have enough time on this podcast to list everyone she has interviewed and met. This notoriety has culminated in Mary Ray authoring a book called The Memoirs of the Godmother of Canadian Country Music, Johnny Reed Changed My Life, which covers over two decades of personal memories and photos that chronicles her love affair with country music. It's a delightful book that is sure to be a staple on coffee tables for years to come. Ladies and gentlemen, my interview with Mary Ray Knapp. Hey, Mary Ray, welcome to the Prairie Down Basement Sessions. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. So what's, what's going on in your neck of the woods tonight? Oh, not too much tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you uh, are usually a night owl? Yes, I am. So we're, uh, for the listeners out there, we're, I'm in Manitoba, Mary Ray's in Ontario. And uh, so you're uh, Athens? No, where did, yes. yeah, that's right. Okay. And you've been, you've been out there a long time. Well, I've lived in Athens my whole life. Yeah. It's uh, just a little village. It's near Brockville, Kingston, south of Ottawa by about an hour. 
population a thousand, except I live in the country where, you know, population is much sparser. Right on. And so that obviously has a very special place for you. So when you're, when you're traveling, um, is it always a big pull to get back home? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I love to travel and I love to meet people when I'm away, but when you pull in that driveway and you know, it's, it's pretty nice to be home. Very nice. So I was going to ask you, so you, you know, we'll, we'll get to all your accomplishments and what you're up to, but you're in the country music scene for sure. And I really want to ask you about that. And so like, how does it feel to be kind of on the other side, so to speak, where you're, you're chatting about, like, usually you're interviewing artists and you've, you've been just such a center industry member in Canadian country music. How does it feel like to be on the other side of Mike talking a little bit about some of your accomplishments? It feels a little strange, actually. <laughs> does it? Yeah. Is it, is it something that you have a hard time talking about? Are you, are you shy about it or? Well, I'm not really shy, um, but it just does feel strange for me not to be the one asking the questions. <laughs> right on. Well, hopefully I won't be, it won't be too painful for you. <laughs> I do so, you know, for the listeners that maybe not aware of your story, Mary Rake, maybe just tell people a little bit about your background. Um, well, I've always loved country music, but it wasn't until I met Johnny Reed that I became immersed in the Canadian country music scene. And that's why the subtitle of my book is Johnny Reed Changed My Life. So Johnny Reed, he he is a really interesting artist, isn't he? So like what draws you to Johnny Reed's character? Well, you have to remember I met him 22 years ago when he was just starting out. Uh, young, fresh-faced, full-of-life guy with um, a personality, just crazy personality. You know what I mean? Like, just mm -hmm. so, he just drew people to him and the talent that we just all knew he was going somewhere. And we wanted to do as much as we could to help with that. And so that was why I started selling merch for him. And then when I uh, started the fan club, the Tartan Army with him in uh, 2005, and just went from there. But his personality and his talent for singing i mean the two combined is a full package absolutely complete world-class talent but like i i want to ask you about like just you know you transition from being a fan to you kind of getting involved more on their kind of business fan club or in their promotion so what what was the catalyst for that for you to just kind of go i want to do a little bit more well johnny was i guess and when he trusted me to sell his merchandise and keep track of all that, uh, keep track of, you know, not just the merchandise, but I looked after the paperwork for SoCan and for keeping track of the record sales and at shows that I was at. And then to be able to be entrusted with running, starting and running the fan club, um, that's when it kind of started to be a fun business, but it was a business. My husband used to say that I spent more hours at my non-paying job. <laughs> Yeah. Did the one that actually paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of hear a little bit at, about that at my house as well. So, and you, and, and you were in the, in the insurance industries, right? So you're, you're retired, owned your own insurance brokerage. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Myself and a partner. Yeah. Right on. So I, I, I worked, I worked in insurance in a, in my day job uh, at some point. So it's a, it's, it's a great industry. And so you're in there for a long time. And so how did you balance the two? Like when you're, when you're chasing your passions about country music and then still trying to maintain that, that business? Well, I was lucky because I had um, a good partner and our staff was just phenomenal. And they were right behind me when they had to hold down the fort when I was off somewhere with Johnny. And I remember they all came to a show in Smith Falls, which is not far from here. And that was the first they'd all seen him. And afterwards they're like, yeah, we understand now why you're traipsing off all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> 
with this guy because uh, he made a great impression on them as well. So they were good to man the fort while I wasn't there. That's very cool. So I know Johnny Reed sings country and I guess he's a, he's a crossover artist as well, I guess, because he's got such an appeal. But for yourself, like I read, you know, somewhere that, you know, you, your, your love with country music goes way back, you know, like listening to Patsy Cline and, and what have you. So it's like, where, where is that? What's what draws you to country music? Well, the stories, of course, I think everybody will tell you that the storytelling part of it, um, just the sound of it. But I was introduced to all kinds of different music around our home. On, on the way of records, my family was not musical, but they played a lot of different kinds of uh, music. In fact, my first concert was Harry Belafonte. Oh, at, wow. At Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto. Uh, oh, I wow. remember my parents got us tickets to go. They bought one for my boyfriend, who became my husband later. And he told me much later that he went home and he told his parents that we were going to this concert. He had no idea who Harry Belafonte was, but my family was very excited about it. So he was just going to let on. He knew who they were. <laughs> and uh, of course, he enjoyed the concert as well. But yeah, no, mom introduced us to all kinds of different music, but it was the the sound of the country and the, and the words of the country that really drew me. And of course, I was raised in the country. <laughs> so there yeah. was a lot of country being played and a lot of dances had country music. So that was where you socialized, of course. It's interesting you mentioned Bear, Harry Belafonte, right? So it's like I, I, my parents have this old, this beautiful record player that, they, that I inherited. You know, when they downsized, they gave me this beautiful uh, stereo. And uh, I was looking through the old albums in there. It's a real diverse, they're Ukrainian. So there's lots of Ukrainian music. And there's uh, the mamas and the papas. And then there's a bunch of Harry Belafonte records, right? And like, and, yeah, and like, I'd put them on and like, I'd hear the, you know, the scratching of the record, but it still sounds so amazing. So they, I could appreciate the Harry Belafonte story. Like he's a, an amazing artist, but it's in my memories as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that to some people and they're not really sure who that is, or they've certainly never, yeah. they're not familiar with his music, maybe. Um, but yeah, he was my first concert. So, you know, what made you now, so your relationship with country music has evolved, right? So, you know, go from a fan uh, to starting like a fan club, and then now you're in the industry and you're, you're on the other side and you're interviewing artists. Folks, if you go to, to Mary Ray's profile there, it's just full of beautiful stories and a lot of an image gallery of Mary Ray posing with a lot of the great country music artists of today. So what made you want to kind of go like, I want access to those folks and ask them questions? Well, I think I got access through the CCMA week, Canadian Country Music Weeks. I've been attending um, since 2005. And that's where I really met a lot of the artists and got to be friends with different people. And then once you're, once they see you around enough, <laughs> they get to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe you are part of the, the business. I, I kind of feel like I'm on the periphery, maybe <laughs> that's just my personality, but um, actually why I really got into interviewing and going a little more in depth was because once I was given the name, the nickname, Godmother of Canadian Country Music, because I did not name myself that, I thought, this is what I can do with my social media. Yeah, I can have a present as the Godmother of Canadian Country Music. And my first intention was just to talk about different artists, post pictures and talk about them and promote them. But then it evolved. People started actually asking to speak to me. Mm -hmm. And 
so then from there, you know, and once you get a few interviews up, then other people start to ask to be interviewed. Actually, I have to credit Hendrik Pape from Soundcheck Entertainment because he got me started on doing concert reviews. And I did the first interviews that I did. I did them for Soundcheck because yeah. I was going to be at events where Hendrik couldn't be. And he said, oh, you're going, would you speak to so-and-so for me? And so that's how that started. And then it, as they say, once you've got a few up, then people actually start to call you. Yeah, what better way to get to know somebody than to speak to them for half an hour, you know? Absolutely, I, absolutely. That, that's why I would say about this particular podcast as well, I get to meet interesting people such as yourself that I would ordinarily maybe just not have access to, right? So, and, it's, and people are certainly obliging. And, uh, you know, and I was going to ask you about your relationship with Soundcheck Entertainment. I, I know Henrik, he actually has done some promotional work for my my singer-songwriter projects, right? So, and, uh, you know, I know he works really hard and he's very gracious. So I was, when I read that that fact about you, that, I thought that was really interesting. Like he's uh, certainly, and he's getting some, you know, rewards now. I know he's up for a nomination this year. Yes, he's nominated in the um, Country Music Association of Ontario for Industry Person of the Year. So we're really pumped about that. Well, tag Hendrick uh, when we released this podcast. Uh, so there was a shout out to him in this podcast. <laughs> So we have to go back to, okay, so you have to tell us a story about the, the nickname, the godmother of country music. Where did that, tell people a story about that. Okay. Eric Dillon is a singer-songwriter originally from Kansas, who has been in Nashville for years and has written songs for all kinds of people, American and Canadian. And I met him a few years back at a, he was doing a pub show here in Ontario. And uh, I was told about it and I went up to visit to see him and see the show and we hit it off. Anyway, um, then I met him at CCMAs a couple of times. And then he, when they had the debut for Black Mountain Whiskey Rebellion, because he is the lead singer in that Canadian band. Um, afterwards, he said, do you know what I call you? I'm thinking, why would you call me anything <laughs> other than, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Was, so he said, I call you the godmother of Canadian country music, because at that time I had my own Mary Ray Knapp social media. And he said, you're, it's filled with Canadian artists. You know, you're talking about the ones you really like and so forth. And so then I thought I could do something with this title. Mm -hmm. That's when I, you know, decided to, to do the social media and talk about people. Because I had been asked after the success of Johnny Reed's Tartan Army, I'd been asked about three different times to start fan clubs for other people. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know quite how to do it in the day of this social media um, and great websites, et cetera. Because you have to remember, I did it years ago when we didn't even have, Johnny didn't even have a website, <laughs> you know, yeah. in my yeah. space was the social media. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what skills of mine would be that relevant today? So then I thought, okay, well, now I know what I can do. I can talk about whomever I want, whenever I want, and do it under the godmother persona. That's what I did. That's very cool. So, you know, so obviously, and that's getting a lot of notoriety, right? And so, you know, your social media presence and your um, you know, people, you have an access to, you know, the, the big names in Canadian country music. Now that evolves to, okay, um, maybe I should like write a book. <laughs> What was that thought process? Okay, so like, I mean, I want to do a lot of things. The book thing would be like, that's a big venture. So, you know, what was that all about? Well, years ago, um, when I would be somewhere where there'd be a bunch of Tartan Army people that we would have any time, I would take a scrapbook or two and show them. And they were always wanting to hear more stories. Of course, anybody's fan wants to know as many stories as inside stories as they can, yeah. right? So they'd be saying, 
oh, you should write a book. We'd love to, we'd read this book. We'd buy this book. And then I thought, well, yeah, a few of the Tartan Army members would maybe, but you know, that's pretty limited audience, I thought. But as years went on and different people would get chatting with me and I would tell my stories, they'd be like, you should write a book. And I'm thinking, you're, <laughs> you're not even in the Tartan Army and you're saying, write a book. So finally, um, in Ontario, um, we had a stay at home, our last stay at home order. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with myself? You know, I cleaned every bit of my house and cupboards that I could, and I live alone. So I'm like, and now I have to stay at home in the middle of the winter. And I really don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, I guess now's the time to write that book. So it took me four months to write it. And then it was professionally edited. That took about three months. Wow. Uh, no, maybe four, four months. And then I, of course, then I made the corrections. And so within, from the time I started um, pen to paper, so to speak, until it was published was 11 months. I, I find this absolutely fascinating, honestly. Like, I mean, and I, I guess I just, I'm just curious, like, do you, I know you have the background in insurance, but like, do you come by the literary pieces, honestly? Like, do you have any background in that? Or like, you know, it's, you know, have you done anything like that in the past? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. No, um, I always joked and said, I can write a good business letter. I always yeah, say exactly. I have no talent. Like I can't sing. And um, my, there's a lot of things I can't do. But I always said I could write a good business letter. But my aunt was a published author. My nephew is a published author. So my sister tells me it's in the genes. Yeah, yeah. You have exposure to it. And so when you're writing a business letter, you know, when we're taught to be like very clear and concise and keep it simple. And now, now you're, you have this task of writing a book where you're, you need to elaborate on stories and uh, how does that, what's the dichotomy there? How do, how do you, how do you treat that? Was that tough for you? No, not really. Um, part of the reason it wasn't tough and I'll fill you in on my secret. Um, I had kept scrapbooks from when I first met Johnny Reed for 10 years. And then after that, he was, he had just blown up so much that like, I just couldn't keep up with all of the clippings and the, you know, whatever he was doing. So I told him, I said, well, I've got you your first 10 years chronicled and it's up to you to chronicle the rest because I can't keep up. So what I did was I just sat down with the scrapbooks and now they weren't all detailed, but there was pictures with a little blurb under each one and maybe some newspaper clippings and concert tickets and things like that. But they brought back the memory of mm -hmm. that. So I was able to just sit down and go page by page. I also had a bit of little bit of a scrapbook for Loretta Lynn and one for Terry Sumption, who is another Canadian performer and um, Craig and Craig Curtis, who there's a chapter on the Curtis family. Uh, Curtis Country Band and Craig Curtis, who um, are from home, but have gone on to do some pretty amazing things in the country world. So I had those things. But something that was a treasure trove that I didn't really remember I had was a whole box where I had printed off the emails that Johnny mm. and I sent back and forth to each other. And then later on, Brett Kissel, who is a friend mm that he and I sent back and forth to each other. I even found where I had recorded one time when Johnny was on a radio program in Halifax. So I had 
word for word what that radio program was. Mm -hmm. So I had kept a lot more than I even realized I had. Interesting. So you, you met and br mentioned Brett Kissel, and, and I was going to ask you about that as well. Like, I mean, to see like folks like Johnny Reed or Brett Kissel, and you you know them from being like emerging artists to now to the enjoying the success they have today. Like, what is what's going through your head? Like, is there this kind of proud moment? You know, like how do you feel about that? I think pride is a great uh, sentiment. Uh, they're both certainly young enough to be my children. So it's that kind mm -hmm. of pride. It's like you're. Yeah as if your child had done something really big and especially when well especially with Johnny because when we first met he was really really at the beginning of his career and it was a you know it was a hard slog for him and and for us who supported him to get the word out and mm. then it was like oh then he was the best thing since sliced bread that you know <laughs> and I'm yeah. like yeah we knew that years ago and we've been trying to tell people but that it finally caught on you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, if I'm quoting him correctly, Johnny said that now the now everybody else knows what Athens knew all along. You know, like yeah. we recognized yeah. as soon as we saw him. Um, now with Brett, he was 16 when I first met him, and so for most people that'd be early in their career. But for Brett, of course, he was already pretty well established in Alberta by that mm -hmm. point. But he was still pretty new in his career. I mean, I was the first one to hire him in Ontario. Okay. Yeah, because nobody, he had no airplay here. But I had seen him again at a CCMA. And um, my husband and I just said, oh, my God, this boy has it. You know, whatever it might be described as, we could see that Brett had it. Yeah, for sure. So you have you have this book. And so um, that's obviously a huge labor of love for you. You write this book, you get it published. So what's life been like for you since you put the book out? Well, it's on Amazon, first of all. So, and it's called print on demand. So when somebody goes to Amazon to buy it, they ordered the book, Amazon prints it right then and sends it out to them. So um, we joke and say it's hot off the press every time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, locally, there's been a great deal of um, support for me. All the local libraries have put it in there in the library. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Two of them are holding uh, Meet the Author Nights, one in May and one in June. Um, our, the Village Athens Library is actually holding a full evening. We're having oh, music. Awesome. You know, music they're having refreshments and that's going to be on monday june the 13th so i was i guess i'm still blown away by how well it's been received you know and what support i have our local um, grocery store has stocked it there as well do people want to read something light lighthearted right now like is that do you think that's a good good time for the release of your book is that you know we, we have so many challenges in the world and you know and and your book gives the people ability to reminisce and and uh and just you know look just share some some stories right uh, do you think there that it's good timing well yes i guess so, although i never really thought of it that way before what my fear was i was writing it during the pandemic and I kept thinking, I want this pandemic to be over. I want us to be able to get out and do things again. But I was afraid that if we, if it didn't get published soon, everybody would be out doing things and nobody would want to be reading anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like during the pandemic, everybody was reading like crazy because they had nothing else to do. Mm. Um, and as it was, the editing process was going along and I'm thinking, oh, I'd kind of like to get this book out while people still want to read. But I guess they still want to read. and. and I think maybe you have a good point about the subject matter too. Yeah. And then there's a lot. I mean, I mentioned names of 
people, of course, that I've come in contact with. And so different ones have said, oh, it was so neat to see my picture in the book or to see my name in the book, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's been fun for a lot of them as well. Would you be able to share uh, with the listeners a story from the book, uh, something that kind of resonates with you that you think people would really enjoy? Well, I don't know. What have we got? Put you on the the spot here. Well, yeah, you kind of have. But anyway, (laughs) I just, I, somebody did a a review up on the, up on Amazon beside the book. And they said, there's two ways of reading it. You can start at the beginning and read it in chronological sequence, or you can just open it up and see what story comes out. Yeah, I like that. uh, Yeah. So let's just try to just open it up and see. Okay. I can find one here. This was in Brett's chapter. And I'll just give you a little bit of the preamble. Um, In March of 2017, I was um, awarded with a business person's award. And it was called the Lifetime Achievement Award. It was given to a female business leader who'd made a difference in their local business community and in the community as well at, at large. And I was stunned when it turned out to be me. During the presentation, video greetings from various people were shown, including my business partner and radio personality, Bruce Wiley. They kept the best for last though, as the final one was from Brett. And on uh, March 11th that year, I sent Brett a note. You cannot imagine how shocked I was Thursday night when listening to the preamble of the Lifetime Achievement presentation, I realized the lady was talking about me. The entire speech, photos, and video greetings were special, but they left the best for last, your greetings. Thank you for your kind words. I love you too. I thanked Jim, Louie, and Kevin for their parts in getting your greetings to me. Brett replied, received the video you sent, and I loved it. It was so special, and your award was so well-deserved. You are one of a kind, and I'm so happy I was able to do a video for you. Talk soon, BK. Oh, that's very sweet. Because he said it, why I said I love you too, I mean, although I do love him, was because at the very end of the video greeting that he had, he said, and you know I love you. So you should have heard it was an all-female audience because it was a women's event. You should have heard them all go, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah that, that is hilarious. I mean, thanks for sharing that story. And also, like, congrats on the award because that's it's a lot of work that culminates into a, a career. And it's, you know, it's nice to have the acknowledgement, eh? Well, it was nice. And I mean, I was um, very lucky that the boss that I had early on in my insurance career um, was very supportive. And I was given a lot of opportunities to grow in that field and I ran with them. So anyway, that was nice. Then I have a funny little one that from a a chapter that I just, again, flopped open to. This one is about Johnny. And we were down in Quebec in Eastern Townships at a little teeny venue there called the Piggery. And uh, we had spent, I'll just give you a preamble here. We had spent a couple hours in the afternoon at the house we were staying at with Johnny. He, we had invited him for lunch and we had his birthday um, cake and had about a couple hours with him. And then we went to the show. And then afterwards, Johnny signed until everyone had their photo, chat and autograph. When I had Wayne, that was my husband, and Dakota, my grandson, join me in the autograph line. Wayne said, we just spent the afternoon with him. Why are we getting in this line? I explained that that was a friend's lunch, and this was a fan line. 
did end up with a photo of Johnny, Wayne, and I with wide smiles all on our faces. You do remember I mentioned Johnny picking Dakota up when he was six years old at the Morrisburg concert. When we got to the front of the line, Johnny said that he and Dakota should recreate that photo now that Dakota was 13. But Dakota planted his feet and said there was no way. They did, though, but with a twist. Before we realized what was happening, Johnny had come up behind Dakota and hopped on his back, piggyback style, and I snapped that photo. What a memory. I don't expect that happens often. The star jumping on a fan's back. If ever. <laughs> that is awesome. I mean, that's, that, those are like really personal stories. So like what, what kind of feedback do you get in on the book? Like for, for you to kind of just open your world up and for, for people to, to, to learn about. Well, first of all, Johnny was, loved it. And mm -hmm. he said that, um, well, first he gave me carte blanche, both he and Brad, uh, carte blanche in, in the writing of it and, and in using the pictures that I used. I mean, I have pictures of Johnny's children when they were just babies even, you know, but both mm -hmm. he and his wife said that would be fine. And he loved it. He told me when he finished reading it. And, but locally, the people that are talking to me about it, I didn't know if you weren't a diehard Canadian mm -hmm. lover, mm -hmm. but you think 765 pages of text and photos would be a bit much, <laughs> but yep. there's different ones that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm surprised you really, well, A, you bought it and read it, let alone took the mm -hmm. time to call me and tell me what you thought about it. There yeah, was exactly. one lady bought it and she said she brought it home and her husband nabbed it first. And he was the one that I never dreamt would be interested. Yeah. She said, I haven't got it away from him. He's been reading it. And when he finds something he thinks is particularly funny or interesting, then he'll read that to her. He called his mother-in-law up and read her some of it. And so I've been getting very positive feedback. Now, having said that, maybe the ones that don't like it are just not telling me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, you know what I think about too, right? And it's like, I kind of grew up with these, like, uh, I think that's why your story really resonates with me is that I grew up with like, you know, books on the coffee table. And, you know, just like you did today with us, like you open it up and you go to a story and, and potentially I'm going to open up that book a different place every time. And it, that's, that's what I absolutely love about the book because it, and it's large enough. I mean, it's a volume of stories, which is, and pictures, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, I'm really, I'm really excited for this book for you and, and like, what's next for you? Like, what, what does the next three months look like for you? Or do you have any other goals for 2022? Or do you have any, any, any projects going on? Well, just promoting the book, first of all, which I don't yeah. know, have we mentioned it, that it's called the Godmother? That's Man right. Memoirs of the Godmother of Canadian Country Music, Johnny Reed Changed My Life. Um, so the promotion for that, but my summer is booking right up with festivals. I'm awesome. doing media for some. I've got two that I'm emceeing at. Um, so those are, that's kind of what I've got planned coming up for the summer. I just hope I have enough energy to do everything I've got myself planned in for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So one last question for you, you know, I'm just, I'm curious, like, so you've been following country music for a long time and you've seen the industry evolve quite a bit. I guess I'm just curious about what you think, what state you think country music is in. I think there's enough traditionalists or people that are as close to traditional as we can get now in there. I think it's in good shape. I really do. Uh, there's a little bit of hodgepodge, if you want to call it that. But I think there's enough of a good pure country sound that, and let's face it, back in the 70s, uh, we went through that Nashville sound mm -hmm. where everything was strings and pop and, you know, 
that certainly didn't sound true country like the 50s would have. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing that we're getting away from too much instrumentation. And yeah. I think I think it's in good shape. Awesome. Well, you know what? It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you, um, just hearing about your experiences. Folks, you got to check out the book. We'll promote the book quite often as we're promoting the this episode of the podcast. Um, and folks can check, check you out on your website, all the social media. Um, you want to get, what's your social media account name? Just Godmother of Canadian Country Music. And the website is the same thing, .ca. And I like to send people to the website to order the book because while they're there, maybe they'll look at some of those pictures we talked about or some of the interviews. Um, I'd just like to make one comment about the pictures of myself with people that you mentioned. Yeah. At first, I didn't know whether people would like them or not, or if they would think I was stuck on myself, <laughs> you know, for putting yeah. my picture. But I found I got more traction with my posts Mm -hmm. when I was in the picture with somebody yeah and yeah. then one girl said to me well we are living vicarious vicariously through you uh, because most of us don't get to have all the adventures that you do so anyway I guess that's that's why they like to see me with the artists no I'm not glad you brought that up because you know I kind of had the same feeling right um you know we we see pictures of these well-established artists all the time you know, but it's, it's more personal. And I think uh, when, when you're in the picture with them, I think that's part of your appeal is the fact that like, you know, you, you've been a professional and you're doing this out of pure passion for music and you're literally accessing these folks that other people would love to meet and chat with, and you're in that picture. So I think that really resonates with people. So I know I appreciate you saying that. I took a girlfriend um, up with me to Alma Combo a week or so ago and um, she had never traveled with me before and when we came home she told people Mary Ray opened me up to a whole new world she said they are so friendly everybody was coming over and you know getting hugs and photos and uh, she said heck they even um, hugged me she says and I thought yeah that's the side of me that the people yeah. have see normally yeah absolutely yeah and I, I think that's that that's always had the impression for me is just being part of this industry and i never feel like I, i'm many answers away like it's it's people are always very uh, generous with their time so i i you know i'm not surprised at all especially with the you know the, the very respectful way that you go about your interviews i think it's i think it has a huge appeal so i i appreciate you taking the time to to hang out with us in the podcast here and folks check mary ray out visit her website buy the book, share the book. It's full of amazing stories. Thanks, Mary Ray. Take care. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Prairie Town Basement Sessions, hosted by none other than Ian Trojak. I would like to thank Mary Ray for joining me on this week's show. I really enjoyed our conversation, and you can just feel the passion shining through when she speaks about her connections to country music. Please, everyone, go check out Mary Ray's website. There are some awesome interviews on there, photos and videos, and I'll think you really like what you see. Also, you can pick up Mary Ray's book, Memoirs of the Godmother of Canadian Country Music, Johnny Reed Changed My Life, off of her website, and it's definitely worth checking out. I'd like to thank all of you for joining me in today's show. This episode and others can be found on Anchor and all the major podcast streaming platforms. You can also stream off my website at www.eancrojectmusic.com. And don't forget, 
If you don't want to do the streaming platform thing, you can check out KB Radio every Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern, and they'll replay the episodes. If you'd like more information on past and future podcasts, please also feel free to visit my Facebook and Instagram accounts under Prairie Town Basement Sessions. That's all for today, everyone. Please remember to take care of yourself and others. And until next time, my friends. Drive steady, drive steady, drive steady, drive steady.